We're continuing to uh, go through our series on the Psalms. A couple weeks ago, we started out with Psalm 19, which is a wisdom psalm. Today, Psalm 46 is what we call a psalm of confidence. Psalm 46, if you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. The Bible says to us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its rivers, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Pray with me, please. Father, we ask that you remove every distraction from our hearts and our minds that we might focus upon the worship of God through the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, work in and through us, we pray. If there are some here who don't know you, draw them to yourself savingly through the preaching of your word. For Christians here today, Lord, may we be nourished and fed by your word. If we are living in fear today, Father, this text is going to teach us we should not fear because you are a refuge and strength. Teach us, Lord, about yourself. Encourage our hearts and grow us in our faith. All of this we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the date was October the 31st, the year was 1517. I know most of you know what happened on that day in church history. That was the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and the Protestant Reformation was inaugurated. You see, Luther had read the Scriptures, and he had become convinced under the Word of God that the Catholic Church's teaching about justification was completely wrong. You see, he recognized that a man was not justified by his own works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. He learned from the Scriptures that the just shall live by faith. And that understanding of the Bible brought Luther four years later to what we know as the Diet of Worms, because Luther began to write about his belief and his understanding about justification. And he was summoned by the church 
to Worms, and all of his works were laid out before him. And Luther was asked to recant of everything he had written against the Catholic Church. And in 1521, he spoke these words on that particular day. He said, Unless I am convinced by the proofs of Scripture or by plain and clear reasons and arguments, I can and will not retract, for it is neither safe nor wise to do anything against conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. And history tells us that after this meeting, Luther's life was in danger. In fact, he went through many, many trials. He had to be hidden by his supporters for his own safety at the castle at Wartburg. A few years after that, the Black Plague struck Germany, and it affected Luther's son almost to the point of losing his son to death. And Luther's life continued to be filled with personal hardship, personal conflict. So as we kind of sit back now and we look at the life of Luther, as we look at his persecution, his hardship, and his trials, he was certainly a man who knew what it was like to go through something difficult, to go through a trial. But I want you to know something about Luther. In the midst of going through those trials, Luther turned to God's Word for strength. In fact, he turned directly to this psalm, Psalm 46. Most of you might know this, but Luther wrote a hymn. It was the hymn that Josh sang just a few moments ago, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Wasn't that a beautiful rendition? I've never heard it uh, like that. That was amazing what Josh could do with that. But he wrote that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is is our God. And you might not know this, but that hymn, which was inspired by Psalm 46, became the battle cry of the Protestant Reformation. It was sung over and over by people who were going through trials and hardship because it gave them inspiration, biblical inspiration, that God was their refuge and their strength, the very present help in trouble. You see, this psalm, Psalm 46, It teaches us to have confidence in God. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in God. This psalm is all about confidence in God. And today we're going to look at that whole idea of having confidence in God. Today this psalm breaks down into three parts. If you have your bulletin with you today, open that up. Use the left side. It's going to have an outline as we go through this psalm. But Psalm 46 is going to teach us three things about confidence in God. First of all, the trials of confidence, that God's going to allow trials into our lives. Secondly, the source of confidence. And then finally, the evidence of confidence. But let's look first at verses 1 through 3 about the trials of confidence. I'm going to reread that text for verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles open, just look back at it real quick. The Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. 
As we look at the trials of confidence, the first thing I want us to do is look at the words of Jesus Christ. On the screen, you're going to see John chapter 16, verse 33. Here's what Jesus says. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, as we look at this psalm, particularly verses 2 and 3, we find that the psalmist here at the beginning of this psalm, he talks about extreme hardship, adversity, trials for the people of God. And as he does this, he uses geology to teach us these lessons about trials. He uses the earth and he uses the mountains. Look at the text. Verse 2 talks about the earth giving way. The mountains being moved into the heart of the sea. Let's think about those two illustrations. You know, when you're standing on the earth, you feel secure. You feel like there's a sure footing underneath you that you're not going to be moved to the right or to the left. If you look up at the mountains, maybe particularly mountains that are beside the sea, you see these big, strong mountains that are hard to move even when the waves crash against them. So everything feels secure or it looks immutable, hard to move in life. But this text is really talking about what would be considered a a great earthquake when the earth beneath your feet begins to shake. Everything that is secure becomes insecure. It's talking about the mountains the mountains that are falling into the heart of the sea, this big, strong mountain is there, but then all of a sudden, the ocean comes over top of it. It encompasses the mountain, and the mountain falls into the sea, that everything that seemed to be secure was insecure. Everything that seemed to be immutable and hard to move, now everything is breaking away. It's relentless. It's menacing. You're besieged, you're crushed. What the psalmist is talking about is the great trials of life, the hardships that we go through in life. And one thing we learn from the Bible, specifically the, even the words of Jesus from John 16, is that this, is that God never promises that Christians are going to be exempt from trouble or hardship. Jesus never came to take the trouble out of life. That's what we learn. In fact, it's just the opposite. Jesus says in this text, in this world, you will have tribulation. God allows believers to go through hardships and struggles. In fact, let's take a walk. Let's take a walk through the Old Testament. Let's remember what God did in the Old Testament and even in the New In Genesis chapter 22, God took Abraham, a man of faith, and he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, and take him to the place I'm going to show you and sacrifice him unto me. He took Daniel in the Old Testament. And even though Daniel was faithful and he prayed to God, he took Daniel where? To the lion's den. He took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those Three Hebrew boys who were so faithful to God, they did not bow to the idol. And God led them to the fiery furnace. 
In the New Testament, you have Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. It's the second missionary journey. There in Philippi, there's a young lady who's demon-possessed. Through the power of Christ, she's made whole. Well, what happens to Paul and Silas? They get beaten. Their wrist and feet are shackled. They're put into prison. You have Stephen. Bold Stephen. Who boldly stood up to those who opposed the things of God. Preached the word of the Lord to them. And what happened to Stephen? God gave him a great trial. He was stoned in the book of Acts. Beloved, over and over and over through the pages of Scripture, we have to see God allows trials, hardships, difficulties to come into the lives of His people. Martin Luther certainly knew this as well. He was going through all of those trials. His life was in danger because he wouldn't recant. How about you today? Have you ever had this feeling? Have you ever had the feeling that the earth beneath your feet was about to give away? Have you ever had the feeling that the mountain, this immutable mountain that you're standing on, is the sea is coming and it's getting ready to cover you and crush you? Some of you may have had this happen in your life. Some of you might have had it happen when you lost your job and you had no source of income. You felt like the earth beneath you gave away. Some of you might have failed a class or got kicked out of college and the earth was removed from beneath you. Some of you might have lost a loved one, a parent, a sibling, even a child. And it felt like the mountain that you're standing on was being consumed by the sea. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a disease. And you just don't know what to do. The earth beneath you is giving way. You know, when these type things happen in our lives, it feels like our confidence is being shaken. The earth is moving. The mountains are going away. And we don't know how to react specifically with God. We start to be swallowed up by the sea. We lose confidence in God. And you know what happens? We become afraid. We start living in fear. So we ask this question, what are we to do? What are we to do when the earth falls out from under our feet? When calamity surges upon our lives like the raging seas, what are we to do? This text answers the question. The answer is found in verse 1. Look at it. The Bible says to us, in the midst of that, God God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. Refuge has this idea of safety, of shelter, of a fortress. Strength has this idea of inner strength, an inner source of power that God gives the weak strength even for action. Very present teaches us that God has a readiness to help his children. For example, let's walk through all the examples that we gave. God pushed Abraham to his limit, didn't he? He tested Abraham. He gave Abraham a huge trial. But ultimately, what did God do? He provided a ram, and Isaac was removed. 
He took Daniel to the lion's den. But once he did, God decided to shut the mouth of the lion. He took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fiery furnace. What did God do? There was the fourth man in the fire. God's presence were there. They were not burned. For Paul and Silas, though they were in that prison, God literally opened the door. But then we get to Stephen. And you might say, wait a second, Pastor Adam, God didn't help Stephen. Because Stephen died. You see, the thing about our God is that if you know God, if He's your Savior, if He's your Lord, the Bible says that the love of God cannot be separated from you in life or in death. And the moment Stephen was stoned and died, the moment he closed his eyes in this life, he opened them in the presence of God. You see, for Stephen to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. Stephen was going to live for Christ, but to die was his gain. The love of God conquers all things. Death cannot defeat the love of God. And even though God called Stephen home, Stephen died. Stephen ultimately won the victory. Why? Because God was his refuge, his strength, his very present help in trouble, even in death. That is what God teaches us in this text. That you got to even see past the end of your earthly life, even into death, because God helps us, yes, even there. So if you're a Christian here today, God wants you to know that no matter what you're going through, He will be your refuge and your strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall not fear. We shall not fear. Listen, it's a terrible thing to be afraid. It's a terrible thing to be afraid. And I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that Satan will do everything he can to make you afraid. Satan wants to conquer your heart with fear, with doubt. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to have doubt and having confidence in God. And he will put fear into your heart. And maybe you're a person who's here today. Maybe there's been a trial in the past or right now that where you're living with fear from some trial that's going on in your life from the past or right now. If that is you today, beloved, I want you to be encouraged by this psalm. I want your faith, which is based on Scripture, to be fed by these Scriptures. Because I want you to know that God says what He means, He means what He says, and He says to all of us here today that He is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. The Bible teaches us that our theology, what we know about God, that vertical relationship should drive our practice, that horizontal relationship. What have we learned today about God? We've learned He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's going to allow trials to come into our lives. But what's the practice we've learned? Therefore, we will not fear. Do you see that? Because God is your refuge, because He is your strength, because He is a very present help, you and I do not have to fear. And that's how it applies 
to our lives. May your faith, beloved, which is fed by scripture, which is based on scripture, be fed by scripture. And remember what Jesus says. Yes, in this world you're going to have tribulation. But take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome this world. Jesus himself will be your refuge, your strength, a very present help in trouble. But not only does the psalm speak about the trials of confidence, secondly, it talks about the source of confidence. And as we move through this text, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 7 about the source of confidence in God. As we, as we start this, I'll tell you a story. This story happened about 10, 11 years ago at my house. Um, we had just bought a new house, and uh, we were getting used to things in the house. And uh, Brock and Macy's bedroom, they were, they were upstairs. This was before Jack was born. Uh, their bedroom were upstairs, and uh, we were getting ready for bed one night. And I remember Brock was young. He was probably around three years old. And I said, uh, Brock, you need to go upstairs and get ready for bed. Well, the house was new to him. It wasn't very familiar. We hadn't been in the house very long. And I remember watching him. He started going up the steps, and he got about halfway up the steps, and he turned around, and he came back down a step or two. And he looked at me, and he said, Daddy, I'm scared. Will you come with me? And I was a nice guy that day, so I said, yes, I'll come with you. <laughs> I didn't say go upstairs. I said, yes, I'll go with you. And I went with my three-year-old son. We went up the stairs, and guess what? Brock's confidence got a lot higher. It was much easier for him to go up those steps. Why? Because he knew his father was with him. Man, his confidence got so high because his father was with him. Look at verse 7 of this text. The Lord of hosts is what? With us. With us. Our confidence, our source of confidence comes from the fact that the Bible teaches us the nearness of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He always has, He always will be present with His people. The source of your confidence is knowing God is with you. Let's walk through the scriptures again. Was he with Adam and Eve? The Bible says, yes, he walked with them in the cool of the day. Was he with Abraham? Yes, God said he met with Abraham face to face in Genesis 18. He was with the people of God when they built the tabernacle. In Exodus 40, the people of God could look at the tabernacle and the glory of God had come down and descended on that tabernacle and they knew that God was with them. We just talked about the fourth man in the fire in the book of Daniel. We read in the New Testament that Christ was the God-man, that he robed himself in our flesh, and Christ took on bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, and he was with his people. And before Christ ascended, he promised that he would send the Helper, the Holy Spirit of God, who would come, the third person of the Trinity, and even today, the Holy Spirit is here with us. God is with us. And the Bible says to us, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Beloved, you can know that you are never alone. 
So what is your source of confidence? It's that God is with you. But secondly, it's the power of God. Look at verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. Look at that last phrase. He utters His voice, the earth melts. This is the power of God. You remember the story of Jesus, Matthew chapter 8, the centurion runs up to him and says, Jesus, I have a servant who's sick. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. But the centurion, what does he say? Oh, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house, but just what? Just say the word and my servant will be made whole. Jesus talked about the great faith of this centurion. He hadn't seen faith like this. And Jesus said the word, and guess what? The servant was made whole. Why? Because the word of God, the word of Jesus is very, very powerful. And what this text is saying is that if it's powerful over nations, if it's powerful over the centurion's servant... God is powerful over whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through in my life. We need to rest in the power of an almighty God. But thirdly, it talks about the city of God. Verses 4 and 5 talk about this city of God. You know, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, where the temple was, was once seen as a sign of protection for Israel. They could look at Jerusalem, see the temple, know God was with them, God would protect them. But that's not what this psalm is talking about. It's talking about this future city, this future city of God. The one Revelation describes as having a river of life flowing from its throne. And what God is saying here is that God is in the midst of her, again, the presence of God. And it's saying, she shall not be moved. That New Jerusalem, that new city will not be moved. Here's why. Because the earthly city of Jerusalem was moved. In fact, it was crushed. In 586, it was crushed by Babylon. 72 AD, it was crushed again. You see, while earthly things might get crushed by other earthly powers, God is saying there is a heavenly city of God that will never, ever be moved. God is in the midst of her. So what is God saying? He's saying, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. I cannot be moved. And you can have your source of confidence from this text, knowing that I am near you, I am powerful, and remember the city of God, that new Jerusalem, Then third and finally, the psalmist gets to his last point. It's what we call the evidence, the evidence of confidence. Look back at verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. This is an invitation. Do you see it? Come. Come, come review with me, says the psalmist. Let's take a look at history. Let's review history and talk about the evidence God has put forth in this world so that you can be confident in God. 
maybe for those in Israel, what would they think of? What would be some things that they would think of in their history where they saw the evidence of God working on their behalf? How could you not think of the Exodus, the ten plagues, remembering the water that turned into blood, the frogs, the gnats, the flies, the livestock that died, the boils, the hell, the locusts, the darkness, the death that, brought, that God brought forth in the land of Egypt. Come, come and see what else has God done. Well, after that exodus, or that, after those plagues, there was an exodus. The people of God went out, didn't they? They got to the Red Sea. They thought it was doom and gloom. What has God done to us? But what did God do? He put a pillar of fire between Egypt and Israel on one side, and on the other side, he opened up the Red Sea. Come, remember what God has done. After that, what happened? Israel walks across the dry land. They get to the other side, but they look back. Oh, no, here comes the Egyptians. They're coming to get us. We're going to doubt God. They're coming. They're coming. Well, what does God do? God crashes the Red Sea down. The chariots, the horses, the bows, the arrows. It was all desolation. God had acted on their behalf. They could remember the people of God walking around Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. They could remember Gideon's 300 men defeating thousands of thousands of men. Come, come and see. The psalmist says, come, review history, see the work of the Lord. You see, now that he's given us the works of the Lord, he finally gets to verse 10. And here is where it speaks directly into our hearts. For those of you going through trials, through hardships that Jesus said will come, we've seen the source of the confidence that God is with us, He's, he's near us, He's powerful. We've seen the evidence from the Bible. So God speaks into our hearts in verse 10, and here's what it says. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. This is a gracious reproof to the restless. See, being still... Submission, rather. Submission to God is a proper response to an all-powerful God. Reminds us of Mark chapter 4 and the Lord Jesus. He's standing on a boat. Or excuse me, before Jesus stands on the boat, he's asleep in the boat, isn't he? His disciples are standing on the boat. And they get on the sea, and what happens? The waves start rocking that boat. The wind starts blowing that boat. And there is panic. There's a trial. There's a hardship. And they do the right thing. They call to Jesus for help. And Jesus stands on that boat. And being God in control of all creation, he speaks to creation. Peace. Be still. And Christ speaks the same things into our hearts today. He wants us to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. When we're going through a trial, when we're going through a hardship, He wants us to know that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Peace be still. 
as we close this morning. At some point, and I'd say that point has already happened to most in this room, at some point we're going to experience trials that will shake our confidence in God. It's going to feel like the earth beneath your feet has gone. It's going to feel like the mountain you're standing on is being put into the heart of the sea. But Psalm 46, beloved, teaches us that we can face these trials unafraid because God is our refuge and strength. My question to you, are you living in fear today? Are you living in fear? If you are, remember the words we put up on the screen just a moment ago from Jesus. Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome this world Jesus will be your refuge and strength. And I pray that your faith, which is based on these scriptures, will be fed by these scriptures. Secondly, what's your source of confidence? From this text, remember the nearness of God. He will never leave you. The power of God, His voice, can make the earth melt. Remember the future city of God. God is not going anywhere. He is in the midst of her. And then finally, never forget God's gracious and merciful reproof to us all who are restless. God says to us, be still and know that I am God. Being still is so hard for all of us to do. But it's what the Prince of Peace desires to put in our hearts. As we close this sermon this morning, I want to read one verse that Josh sang to us just a few moments ago. This Psalm 46 inspired Martin Luther to write, A mighty fortress is our God. Listen once again to the words that Josh spoke or sang just a moment ago. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask whom that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name. From age to age, the same. And He must win the battle. Pray with me, please. Lord, we openly confess that sometimes... Our trials can overwhelm us to the point where it might even be hard to receive a text like this. Yet, Lord Father, you've written this text that our fears might be taken away. You've written this text that our hearts indeed might be comforted. And that in Christ, all enemies, even death, are considered gain. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Father, as each member of this church walks through this life, as we go through the tribulation that you said was going to come, may we take heart because you've overcome this world. Thank you, O Jesus, for being a refuge and strength. And if there's fear in our hearts, let us rest on who you are that that fear might be taken away. We hand that to you, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.